I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. Today's guest is Jamie. She has PVD. Let's talk about it. Well, um, I actually can't wait. Uh, Jamie, I'm so glad that you're joining us all the way from Saskatoon. Um, and uh, we're going to be talking about something that we haven't actually talked about in quite a while. Um, but we, we definitely have covered it in the past, uh, maybe even more than once. Um, we're going to be talking about PVD, which... Do you guys remember what PVD stands for? I re- what I, now, this is, this is what my brain has done with acronyms that start with P. We recorded a bunch of episodes in Vancouver a number of years ago, and it was like 50% or more of the recordings that we did were all with people who had issues that were acronyms. There's PCS. And they were all, they all started with P. And so they all have swished around in my brain, and now I can't remember what any of them all right, so R I got, or stand for. So you don't remember? Do you remember? I don't think I can get the P, but I feel like it's maybe vulvodynia. Oh, that's close. That's close. It's, it's. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a go here. Provoked vestal, vestibuldynia. Okay, that's pretty close. Yeah, it's provo- provoked vestibuldynia. Vestibuldynia. Okay. okay. Yeah. This okay. So vestibuldynia rings bells. Yes, that's right. Right. The, provoked the, like like something's. When something touches it, it's it, it's like making this thing happen. Yeah, pain. Ah, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the pain, of, pain. pain of the vestibule. Um, yeah. uh, can you can you for you know just break it down for folks who haven't listened to the podcast uh, in the past or like didn't didn't come across those episodes? What is PVD? So PVD is a chronic pain condition. Um, it's pretty hard to get a diagnosis, but the test they use to diagnose it is pretty much they'll just take a Q-tip and just like gently touch the area. Um, and if you have a significant amount of pain with that test, then I think the pain, if the pain lasts for more than three months or something like that, then you are diagnosed with this condition. Whoa, wait, they, they like, they Q-tip like, like, beep, like, beep. they just like tap. No, no, no. It's like this. They literally, oh, so people can't see this. They literally like touch it the way you touch the back of a ladybug's back. Yeah. Or the, like or the way. Super light. Yeah. Like if you're the squishing that, the back of the ladybug. I'm thinking or? more of like. You're not the, squishing it. You're just, you're petting you're a ladybug. Petting a ladybug. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of like the way that like if you were a kid and you had a sibling and you were like, I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. And then you touch and them. And then you touch them like yeah. that. Yeah. That level so, so, so that little bit of a, a little tiny touch. And if that pain that's, that, that that comes from that touch lasts for three months? No, it's like if, you, <laughs> if you've if you had outstanding pain for three months. Oh, okay. Then, okay. Uh, <laughs> not like you touch it and then it hurts for yeah. three months. I was like, like, that is an awful test. Yeah. We need to change this yeah. immediately. Yeah. You'd be, you'd, the anxiety that would go along with 
leading up to that test. Yeah, my God. Um, can we can we do some a quick anatomy too, just so that I yeah. understand what's going on here? Like, what are they? Oh no! no. <laughs> son of a you son, son of, of a, a bitch. bitch! We just lost Jamie. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back. Uh, Brian was just asking for an anatomy lesson. And I think yes. I think that is that, that's going to be helpful for the three of us for sure because we haven't touch, touched on PVD for a bit. But this is um, give us a little bit of a breakdown of like uh, what we're looking at in terms of where in the vagina that this is this is affecting the body. Is it affecting the vagina or is it more so like we're like, like talking I, labia or I mean specifically I wanted to ask where what was the Q tip touching? Mm, yeah, exactly. So um, the vagina is internal. And so if you're talking about vaginismus and stuff like that, it's mostly like muscular issues that are internal. Mm. Um, Vulvodynia is external, like in the vulva. And it's just sort of that vulvodynia is like the general term for unlocalized pain in the vulva. And then the vestibule, to my understanding, my anatomy professors would kill me because I'm a vet student and I don't remember the exact <laughs> definition, but it's just external. For me, it's sort of um, like if there was a hole, it's sort of between like four and eight o'clock at the bottom of the hole, if that makes sense. But I think it can be anywhere sort of from your clitoris down. Okay. So it's not just the, I, I think I think the last time we talked about this, I, what I t- gathered from it was that it was always sort of the the uh, the lower part, like the six o'clock ish esque area of the vulva on the on the, like, and and that's what I thought like the vestibule was. So I did I didn't realize it could it actually could actually be all the way up as close to and including yeah. the clitoris. Yeah, I think the I think the definition has something to do with like the exit of your where your urethra exits, but I'm not hundred mm. percent sure. Okay, mm. cool. Um, yeah. Funny that you are a veterinarian and that you your profs would kill you, but like, do do animals also have, do animals have like the same, like, do we, do, do we anatomically like give animals the same sorts of like the animal, like, you know, a cat has a vulva and, and yeah, we do. We oh do. really? Oh, cr- they have also, yes. Do they have PVD? Not that I've heard of. <laughs> okay. No. I feel like that would be extraordinarily hard to diagnose. <laughs> I'm just, yeah. I'm just right, guessing. Right. That's a really good yeah. point because I, I imagine, and, and maybe this is, this is more of a question for you, Jamie, is like how, I mean, how hard is it to come to a diagnosis like this? Mm. We've heard a lot in the past, um, especially from, from folks with vaginas that like a lot of, um, uh, challenges that they have become really hard to diagnose because either whether they're not believed or it's really hard to like understand what's happening down there. Um, what was your experience like in getting a diagnosis? It took me a little over a year to get a diagnosis. Um, and it was pretty challenging. I would say, so when I started having problems, I was actually living in Alabama, just playing beach volleyball. And I saw some doctors down there and ended up getting a biopsy and a bunch of things done. Um, and they found a precancerous condition initially, but it was kind of a weird fluke because normally if I hadn't had this pain, there would have been no reason to do the biopsy. So it just happened to be there. I don't even think it's counted as a precancerous condition anymore. It's just associated with sort of like a transient HPV infection that Mm. people get. And normally you just clear without any symptoms. Um, but because they did find that they sort of assumed that that was causing my pain. And I ended up having 
a bunch of procedures done that probably just worsened the condition and just added trauma, if mm. that makes sense, like mm. laser ablation and, and stuff like that. Um, and then once I got back to Canada, I was sort of having like some follow-up appointments, just following like the surgery and everything. Um, and I was having s- way more significant pain. Like I almost couldn't attend the appointments because I just like nobody could touch me. And I think finally my family GP was the one that said she didn't think I was in the right place. Like it wasn't probably wasn't the precancerous condition causing the problem. And so she referred me to a pelvic pain specialist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is, is it something like it, it kind of two questions here um, that popped in my head there? First is, one I have is I didn't know beaches existed in Alabama. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, I think it's uh, also, you know, you, you can kind of put sand anywhere too. I suppose so. Kind of like, um, like a sandbox. Yeah. Or like an, yeah. or like an, or like an, an hockey rink. Yeah, I used yeah. to live in um, Dubai, and there was a ski hill there. So yeah. I mean, you can kind of. This is a fascinating aside that we should definitely pay more attention to later. Um, but uh, you know, like things where you th- where you can put things that aren't normally there, um, <laughs> like the pain in your uh, on your vulva. Yeah. Um, is is this something that is is this something that came that came on gradually, or is it something that you go that like in hindsight? you're like, oh, this was there for a long time and I just thought that it was normal mm. or something like that. And the second question is, is it a pain that is like I'm walking around and just the the interaction between like your underwear, your pants is, it, it is unbearable? Yeah, so for me, I have secondary PVD, which is, it means like, I didn't, I have not had it for my entire life. So it developed, it developed, I think probably in 2018 or 2019. Um, They don't really know what can cause it. There's a bunch of things that have been proposed. And I think it's like recurrent yeast infections or any kind of trauma to the area. They really don't know what causes it. Um, But pretty much what ends up happening is you get proliferation of your nerves and inflammation that just lasts for a really long time. And then you get what happens in most chronic pain conditions, which is like central sensitization and your body is just freaking out all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, I'm kind of lucky. It's not that severe right now. Like I have managed it. So it doesn't hurt when I walk around and I don't have to really pay attention to like what kind of clothes I wear anymore. But for sure, when it first came on, I needed to avoid certain types of underwear and it wouldn't hurt to sit. But I know some people do have pain when they're sitting. Um, like biking can be really hard sometimes and stuff like that. It's, it's kind of random, but I would say it's mostly just like when I'm having sex that it's an issue. Right. Mm. Yeah. Cause there's so many, like, I, I, I'm sure we've all had this experience in some way or another where you get a, you get a pain somewhere in your body that you've never paid attention to that much. Like that, that and, and, and then all of a sudden you realize how much that part of your body is like in interaction with things all mm. the time because you're now being like your attention's being drawn to it. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's like it's like if you like 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 slice off a, a, a yes. chunk of like your fingertip or something, or like and a then, paper cut in like yeah. like on a place where your fingers bending all the time. Yeah. And then like the next two or three weeks, you're constantly like, "Fuck me, man!" Like I I can't fucking do a goddamn thing without without feeling this this fucking thing that's like l- literally just overcoming, overwhelming my, my, my mind. But then you take that and you add it to this part of your body that is, I mean, you know, 
just societally like stigmatized like, stigmatized like, like fucking crazy and then and and a part of your body that's like like for a lot of people like a sacred part of your body or a part of your body that 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 you you relate to very differently than you would say a fingertip or something um and all the all of the shit that comes with that whether it be and not to put this on you Jamie but like i'm sure a lot of people that that uh, experience something like this there's like there's almost even if it's subconscious, like almost shame attached to it or, you know, like, I mean, I can totally imagine embarrassment coming along with that. And the, like the mental health struggle, um, you know, it's, it's much greater than some fucking annoyance of yeah. having like a bad fingertip. Do you think that your, your, your experience with, you, you said you're, you're in training to be a vet. Is that, is that right? Yeah. Like you're, you're, so the, your medical experience, like does that play into a, a sense of not of feeling less stigmatized about that sort of thing, or how does that? How do you feel about that? Like definitely, when when I was working through getting the diagnosis and stuff, I wasn't in vet school. Um, I was doing my master's. It was really tough. Um, I found just as being like a young single woman, it's like it's a really big barrier to overcome when you're like meeting a new partner or something like mm. that, and having to pretty much right off the bat say hey, my vagina doesn't work. You never really know what's going to happen. And I don't really have a treatment for it. Um, It can be really tough, especially since there's, I feel like in society, a lot of pressure put on young females and a lot Mm. of whether or not you choose to acknowledge it, it feels like a lot of your worth is attached to like your sexuality. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like the pop culture um, idea that like having sex for the first time with with somebody is like, is this like, fucking yeah like confetti shooting out of cannons and shit <laughs> yeah like, and, and and it's like and and that it just is is um, that's what you were gonna say i mean i would say like like piano playing with like the scent of roses yeah right you, so, you go yeah. with piano i go with confetti but like <laughs> that it's just like that it's just this very and i would go um, with a whoopee cushion you know <laughs> yeah, it's like right it's like a real like a surprising whoopee cushion yeah, different strokes for different folks <laughs> and uh and but that it's this um that it's just this like very easy like no issues sort of um experience where like clothes fling off and it's mm. and it's all happening like, well, like very getting fluidly. hot and bothered in like a yeah, it, yeah. i mean versus I like think you're talking about like the spontaneity of it all yeah like, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like yeah. spontaneous sort of like passionate thing that happens whereas when you have something like this it's yeah the, there's i mean there should always be conversations before beforehand <laughs> anyway but like the a conversation that you know, if I was in this position, if I was in your position, Jamie, a conversation that I would probably like approach that situation with this thought of like, ah, fuck that. Like if I bring this up, is this now going to ruin my chances to explore with this person or, you know, like, or do I have to, do I have to like go through this process of exhausting process of explaining this thing to this person? Like, it's just a, a like a mm. a huge um, a huge nuisance. I yeah. I, I could imagine. I want to I want to kind of take back take it back to actually receiving the the diagnosis itself. So, um, was it did it did it take much time um, from the moment of of like this this pre cancerous screening to to the actual diagnosis of of what it was that you were you were experiencing? Like, take us through chronologically, like what happened to actually get the diagnosis itself. And then once you had the diagnosis, what was, what was kind of given to you in terms of like your options? Yeah. So in Alabama, I had the biopsy 
I had, um, I was sort of referred to an oncologist and then got some cream that was like cancer treatment that ended up having a really bad reaction with my skin. Um, so that was like trauma number one and two, I guess. And then I went, ended up going back to Canada. I was back in Vancouver and there I got referred to another cancer clinic and they decided to do the laser ablation after an exam. What is laser ablation? They pretty much will take a laser and just burn off the top layer of skin. And they were doing, they were doing this on your, like they were doing this internally or, or externally? It's like external, like right in the affected area, kind of. Wow. Okay. And this was your, this was your vault. They were doing this to your vulva. Yes. Jesus fucking wow. Christ. What was, Ouch. what was that like? Um, it was an experience. Yeah. yeah. I went it like you're, you're awake for it. Um, they just do a local anesthetic and you can see the smoke coming up. Oh, oh, and is it giving, is it giving that like, um, like, uh, like, like the sound of like, Cause I've, I've seen, I've seen like laser hair removal and it's like, it's almost like a, or, or laser tattoo removal. And you get this like, like kick, 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 like this, like this clicking, like, like, like clacking sound. Like every second is like, what did you have hair, laser hair removal on? We don't have to go there. And, um, and so, but, but, but this, I'm picturing this, what I'm picturing with your hair removal. No. No, no. no. Uh, what I'm picturing here is more like more I'm, like a sort of James Bond like villain esque, where it's like like a like a it's like that. Whoa, yeah, it's you, like that. What I don't remember like? any sounds, but a, like there's a smell, and oh, wow. that's really all I remember from. Is it? Isn't there like way too wow. many things that you are not put under or or anesthetized? Yeah, put me for? under for that. There's so many things that you're yeah. not that when. When people go, oh yeah, they don't put you under for that. I go, and they what shot the a fuck? laser on my pussy, and they, I was awake. Like, 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 that's fucking that's no, 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 no. But but I like the thing of the risks of being put under. There, like, yeah, I get I mean, it, I yeah, get it. But I'm cool. Like <laughs> risk, risk away. I yeah. I don't I don't want to be awake. The risk is the risk for smell anest- my burning an- anesthetic is for the doctor to worry about. Like I don't worry about. Yeah, that. I trust you. <laughs> so I, I take, I mean, we're laughing about it and it is, it is wild, but, but I take it that that, you know, we were talking about sort of like medical induced trauma that th- how did you find that to be a traumatic event or? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it didn't, it wasn't traumatic. Like in the procedure, uh, it was fine. It, the recovery was fine. It was just like probably more pain to the area that made my condition worse. Right. Mm. That didn't really need to be had. Like I feel if right. I, even if I would have gone to my GP, like thankfully she was pretty well educated in the world of women's pelvic pain conditions. But if I didn't have her, I don't know how I would have gotten a di- like how I would have gotten referred in the first place. Right. Yeah, and, you- and, and like you were saying that this was this was all because of HPV, correct? That's one of the potential causes of it. It could just be my body being weird too, but yeah, it is a common cause of it. I think. Sorry, not no. Oh, I'm sorry. Not to, just to be more specific, not not that the uh, vestibular vestibulodynia was was a result of the hpv but but the ablation itself yeah, they were doing so, this because of hpv and like like to prevent cancer cells from from growing yeah so it was like it was a precancerous condition which just means there was some irregular cells in the area yeah it could have been from hpv it could have been from something else too okay. we don't really know it's not like they did a test or anything like that they just saw them mm. but what but was this was this ablation um Maybe I, maybe I miss her, but but I I'm gathering that the ablation was like not an actually necessary 
mo- mode of treatment. They're, they're, they could have done not. something a little bit more less invasive. They probably didn't even need to treat it right, at all. Right. Um, like normally it wouldn't have been identified. It was just because I was having this underlying pain that they were like, mm. maybe it's causing it. We can't see anything mm. else. Mm. Um, so they decided to treat it. Now, I don't even think it's classified as a precancerous condition anymore. Like they mm. would not treat it now. Right, right. So, um, yeah. so when you, when your GP then referred you to the pelvic pain, uh, pain clinic, what, like, what was, what was that experience like? Just the same. So that's when I had the Q-tip test done. It was going to the pelvic pain clinic was really validating. Like it was mm. the only place where I went and I was like, Hey, I have pain and I don't have any lesions or anything that looks like I should have pain. Like what's going on. And they were the, the first people that sort of took me seriously. And we're like, yeah, you can have pain without having like a cut or something like that, or something mm. that is obviously causing pain. Um, I'm pretty sure I cried. Like the first time someone took my pain seriously, I cried in a doctor's office for the first time in my life. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then after that, I pretty quickly got a diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Is that Q-tip test like pretty much like as, as soon as they do that, they know right away that like that this is PVD. Yeah. I think if your pain's been outstanding for, for more than three months, they're on, on the track of either like vulvodynia or provoked or whatever. So once you get this diagnosis, um, what is the, like, what's the course of action? What do they, cause I know, I know when we've talked about other pelvic issues like, um, vaginismus, it's like, you've got the dilators and, and there's, you know, there's like mindfulness exercises and things that they're, they're trying to like introduce to people. But when you have this, um, this provoked pain that seemingly has come from some unknown source, what are, what are the the options that you have in order to uh, lessen the pain or, or even like manage this on a day-to-day basis? Um, so when I was in Vancouver, I was referred, like I started a mindfulness trial. I think there's two, two different options. You can either go for the full mindfulness trial or uh, sort of like a multidisciplinary thing where they will take you a couple times to a, a pelvic floor physio They'll do a couple sessions of mindfulness and a couple sessions of, I don't know, conventional medicine treatment, like just topical lidocaine or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did the mindfulness trial. I found that the biggest benefit of it was just to be in a group of women that related to the pain that I was experiencing. Um, yeah, that I, I didn't have a ton of success with the treatment itself. And honestly, after that, I kind of fell out of the system. Like I didn't have anyone to contact when things weren't going well. I didn't have anyone to follow up with additional treatment or anything like that. It was just like the eight week trial. And then I was done. Was the, was the intention of the, of the mindfulness uh, treatment to, which, which I, I find is, is really interesting just on its, on its own. But is that, is the intention to, uh, to like, contextualize the experience and the pain in a way that makes it just more manageably from a psychological perspective? I think it's a little bit that, and also a little bit like what I was talking about earlier about the central sensitization. It's a little bit to try and calm down that entire process. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you calm down that process, then you can sometimes experience less pain. Right. With, with um, central sensitization, is that basically like, like the nerves that are, are, on your vulva, those have sent signals to like your central nervous system. And now the pain is no longer sort of being triggered by 
like necessarily like the nerves on the on the vulva, but it's something that's happening more in the central nervous system. It's pretty much being amplified in the central nervous system. Okay. So you, you'll have, like you start off with a certain number of pain receptors and they're sending too many signals to your central nervous system. And you're, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm having pain, I'm having pain. And then eventually, from what I understand, people with this condition end up having more nerves proliferating in the area. So then there's like even more signals going uh, to your central nervous system and things just kind of amp up. And this, this mindfulness trial, you were saying that it didn't quite, it wasn't really that effective for you? Not super effective. No. Um, it was definitely effective in the fact that like it brought me peace of mind to know there's other people going through the same thing as me. And it felt nice to be consulting with some doctors and professionals that (laughs) were doing research in the area, but it was just, it's not nothing anyone could do about it. We just didn't really have any treatments at that point in time. Mm-hmm. There's a, um, there's a, uh, I was listening to something a couple, a week or two ago and they were talking about, they're talking about like unexplained, like unexplained chronic things like, um, and they were sort of lumping a bunch of things together like, um, uh, chronic fatigue, uh, chronic pain, um, uh, uh, li- uh chronic Lyme disease, um, they were, they they actually lumped long covid into this as well mm. where it's where it's like all these things that that they are there they're happening and we just don't and and we can classify <laughs> it with this sort of ter- with a term but it doesn't um but it's it's at least at this point it, almost impossible to say like why did any of this originate and it's all just like a lot of speculation is there is there a is there a sense of um like from a psychological perspective, when you're dealing with pain, where when you when when the the reason that it's there is a question mark, even though that there's like a diagnosis and you can put a name to it, is there a sense that not being able to trace it back to a thing to it uh, to like a, a singularity, I guess that is that's that's um that's challenging, and, I, and I'm saying that from the perspective of like any time that I have like you know just a, a pain somewhere in my body. I'm I'm constantly trying to go. Where did that come? Why? From? Like, yeah. what did I do? What? What? Mm. Maybe not. What did I do? But what happened? You know, what was that single event that caused this? And it's like it's like getting an itch scratched when you figure that out, and the opposite when you don't. Yeah, it's definitely. Um, it just kind of feels out of your control. Mm. I would say, which can be a challenging feeling to deal with, especially before I got a diagnosis and even right at the beginning, it was like, okay, I've got a diagnosis. Now what? I still can't really have sex. Mm. I am in pain most of the time. And every time that I would try to have sex and it, it wouldn't work because yeah. it was not, not something I could do. Um, I would really spiral. Like it, it would like, I'd probably end up crying every single time yeah. afterwards, which was not great. Um, and I think it probably just added to the entire situation. Like my body is like fight or flight. Like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to be able to have sex again. I'm 19 years old. How is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? I don't really know. Um, Yeah. So getting past that was pretty tough. Uh, What, what was it like having those conversations with potential partners and like, how, how do you approach bringing that up? Um, Eventually I kind of just came to terms with it. And I was like, you know what? There's no reason that I shouldn't be able to have this conversation with someone I'm going to have sex with. 
Like mm-hmm. if I'm going to have sex with someone, they they need to know about this about me beforehand. Mm-hmm. Like right at the beginning, I think I was sort of trying to just like grind through it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't always have the conversation before the first time I had a sexual encounter <laughs> with someone, but um, it's definitely an important conversation to have. And it, it, it just, it's definitely changed my mentality around sex. I just think it needs to be something that's well communicated. It doesn't have to be magical all the time. Mm-hmm. It's, it's more important to just have open lines of communication with your partner and make mm-hmm. sure that everyone's having a good time. Mm-hmm. And, and sex is more than just like vaginal intercourse mm-hmm. as well. Um, which I feel like is, you know, it, it feels like almost obvious to say that it, it, uh, on one hand, but also for like the way that yeah. like you, you think of you know, the, like Taylor, you were alluding to it earlier, speaking directly to it, like the way that media portrays sexual encounters mm. is like not, it doesn't, doesn't consider that it can be many other things that that's a lot more than that, I guess. Yeah. I, I, in terms of the, those conversations, like I, you know, I I can imagine, um, like dating, dating is a, dating is one of those things where like when you haven't done it for a long time and say you're, you know, you, you've, you've come out of a relationship, uh, a long-term relationship, you start getting back into dating. You like every date you're, you're, you kind of learn something about yourself, uh, about how to maybe approach the next one. Or you like, you learn, you, something happens when you go, Oh, that, you know what, that was actually a really effective way to like communicate this thing that I, that I, I sort of was like, like found challenging to, to word properly. And so like the more you do it, the, the, the better practice you have at, at being just more present and more, you know, effective at being someone who can communicate with somebody else in that very like intimate setting. So I'm, I'm wondering about like the, the evolution of, of how you went about having those conversations when you did, um, and, and how those, how those experiences went. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining that like some didn't go as well as others and, and just kind of curious about like the spectrum of like what those what those conversations looked like and and how you kind of ended up where you are now in terms of the way that you bring it up since you've been dealing with this for you know a, an extended period of time. So when it first started, I was actually in a long term relationship, um, and I would say that one when like I was working through the process of getting a diagnosis and everything and. It was, it was really tough because we sort of stopped having sex because it was really painful. I wasn't getting a diagnosis. And then when I did, there wasn't really a treatment. Um, and I know he got frustrated and I didn't really know how to handle the situation at all. So that didn't go great. And then it didn't work out. So that was fine. Um, after that, I sort of like when I started dating casually, I, I wouldn't say it's a first date topic. Like, right. It's really not, yeah, not a first date topic. And, um, normally like date two or three, I'll just like bring it up, like right out of nowhere. I'll just bring it up and be like, Hey, I feel like I shouldn't let you know, like, this is not something I can do all the time. I can be intimate, but it it just penetration doesn't work out all the time for me. How Um, do, do you go into like, do you go I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm suppose I suppose it's it's really probably different based on like who you're talking to and the and sort of the cues you get from them and the way that they communicate. But like, how in depth do you go? You know, like, do you give 
Like, do you go like full on like like WebMD on them, or or is it more sort of like like uh, you know vestibule dinia for dummies? Like, most of the time, I won't even tell them the name of the condition. Right. Um, I sort of give them the general rundown, and then I would only go in depth if it seemed like it was something that was going to last for a long time. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's it makes me like I I. Did you ever like, have you ever had reactions to what you've said? Um, similar to like, have you ever had someone go, Oh yeah, but, um, you haven't had sex with me, you know, like, like I, I get, I get, I get the, like, this is like, it, it, you different. don't think it works, but like, I, I bet you, I could like make it not painful or like any, like, like really <laughs> ignorant shit like that. I haven't had anyone say anything like that. Um, but actually that being said, I have had a couple of like, that my levels of pain are different with different partners hmm. for sure. Like there is some, definitely some like geometrical factor. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Are we talking size <laughs> yeah. or like, are we talking a- like position angle? Like, like size like, or angle, like yeah. right. all of the things like definitely play a factor. And I wouldn't say that it's a deal breaker. Um, but like, there's a significant difference in my amount of pain with different partners for sure. So I like mean, bigger penis is like, that's, that's a no go. Smaller penis is like less painful or like, or, Definitely, or, yeah. or yeah, if it's right. got like a hook. <laughs> right. Right. The old, the old, so the, like a, like the a downward banana. curve is a d- not good. That's, yeah, that's, that's a not, okay. Yeah. Yeah. What about the upwards turn? It's fine. Yeah, totally. That, yeah. Like that is <laughs> that that is actually fucking fast. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, it totally. Is, it yeah. is super, super fascinating. Yeah, because and they like penises yeah. come in all different yeah, shapes and sizes and curves and, and S shapes and there should be yeah, 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 yeah. there should it's be like scoliosis. A, a dating site for people with PVD where the guys have to submit just the shapes of like their penises <laughs> before they. Date. Right. It's like it's like hey, listen, like could, will this work? You have to draw it. You like, have to draw it with like with your <laughs> finger. Uh, yeah, 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 a little yeah. marker. Um, uh, what about like, what about like sexual positions? Um, I hope it's okay that we're going down this road, but like, yeah, yeah, that's totally you know, is it, is this one of those things where it's like, okay, I like, I, I can never have, I can never have sex, um, like, like from behind or, or being on top is actually like the only, you know, like, like are there different positions where you're just like, that's just not fucking possible for me? Um, d- not really. <clears throat> um, yeah, because I really don't have any sort of vaginismus. I don't really have a ton of like muscle dysfunction down there. I know it is a big factor for people that do have vaginismus or muscle dysfunction, but I, for the most part, it's external. Mm. So the pain is what it is. Um, I found that when I was addressing the topic with new partners, it was definitely easier to bring up once I had been put in contact with like a physician that I had regular contact with and she was offering me different treatment options. It's like, Hey, I have this, but if it's not working, we can try this. Or if that's not working, I have like, Mm. we can try this. I can contact her and get a different prescription. Like now in Saskatoon, I've been put in contact with a really great physician who is giving me a lot of support, which is wonderful. And what are those options? Like what are the, what are the things that, that you can at least try if things aren't working? Um, so the first thing that I discovered, I kind of discovered it on my own, uh, marijuana is like incredibly helpful for me. That's um, always so like, interesting. Yeah. Like, like topically, like long. topical or like, or smoking it, like smoking or ingest, like eating it, Bef- like before snorting it, like eating it. Oh, like, like, I don't know how weed works. <laughs> uh, like, like before you have sex or like just in general, mm. 
Um, definitely before I have sex. Yeah, I can take my pain down like almost to zero. Hmm. Um, and probably make you hornier too. I mean, th- like, th- yeah, THC is like <laughs> THC is a very. I mean, I, I again, I don't, I don't actually like THC, but for a lot of people, it's very like. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people yeah, quite like. To I use find it when for, I smoke weed, I'm like, I don't want to. Uh, just you don't want to do anything. I just, I just want just put watch, chips in my yeah, mouth. I just want to watch yeah. movies. Brian just, wants yeah. a, Brian just wants a chip dispenser angled <laughs> downwards at his face. Do you? Do you? Yeah, because um, angled upwards hurts. Back, it, just a little bit more of like <laughs> a funny. technical question about <laughs> sex. Um, does do things like uh, lube play a role in this, or 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 are they, or is lube like actually uh, because it's this topical thing and, and it's in that area? Is is that is that does that like cause flare ups or? You definitely have to be careful. I know it's different for different people, but you have to be careful with the types that you're using. Yeah. Um, like for me, I, I can literally only use coconut oil. Anything else, like even if it's water-based, really doesn't react well for me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it can cause flare-ups for sure. I'm in the same camp on that one. Um, have you ever been in a... Uh, I'm, I'm, like, I'm imagining a scenario where you bring this up to somebody and they're like... And, and, and they, they have like a really... They're like, you know, sort of, I don't mean to seem like self-congratulatory, but like, they're like us. Like, they're like, what's, they're like, oh, that's, that's interesting. Um, and they want to, they want to like engage with you on it. And, you know, they don't seem put off by it or anything like that. And then, you know, it's, it's like, you know, you're having a back and forth and you're chatting about it. And then you're like, maybe having a laugh and you're like, oh my God. And like the downward shaped ones are the worst. And then they're just like, oh, (laughs) That's my profile. We should have been <laughs> on that app. That's my that's my profile. <laughs> if, we, if that had been a filter on the app, then we wouldn't have had this issue. Oh my god! I haven't had that happen. <laughs> <laughs> if it ever does, please let us know. Really, that exact specific situation has literally never happened. Yeah. If, it, if, it, if it ever does happen, just uh, hit record and then uh, send it to us. Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. So you, so you said that. Um, uh, sorry, what was the thing that you said that you for you the the treatment that uh, you could start to use that? Oh, THC, right? The weed, the weed helps. Yeah. So and, I normally use THC and CBD, just like in combination. I actually do find that it'll help, like uh, in the following days as well. Like it mm. just kind of feels like it just calms down the nerves it feels like it calms down everything to be honest um and then also since i've been referred to this like in vancouver they gave me topical lidocaine it's kind of awful it burns a lot when you put it on and then it makes you feel dead inside like you can't i don't know if you've been to the dentist like you can't feel yeah, anything numbing. Right. yeah yes, right. yes. yes. Right. so it's not the best thing um, also I, I wonder like would in terms of the the actual technical use of the lidocaine is that i take it that that's meant to be used like right before sex yeah there must be some sort of like transference there too right like 
Yeah, like probably. if if uh, well, yeah, I, I guess yeah, if, if, yeah. if the person was wearing a condom, you wouldn't really feel that. But like, but if you weren't, like, they, everyone would just be numbed out. <laughs> yeah, you know, for sure. <clears throat> and then it yeah. could just real turn into a marathon. <laughs> or yeah, never, which that never that's ends. Yeah, and, and no, one, that, no one wants that. Maybe a song that or never ends. Maybe a, a and it's a race. real. It's race. a real mood setter when you're just like, let me put oh, my, one sec, let me yeah. get the lidocaine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're like, did you, I'm sorry, did you say cocaine? <laughs> yeah. What, what's Close, your, but no. What's your like, what's your relationship? You know, when you, when you, when you start experiencing this and you're kind of going down the path of it, of getting it, of getting it diagnosed and what will ultimately become chronic is not really, I guess, perceived as chronic at the time because it's sort of new and it's, does that relationship between the like frustration and everything that comes with something that's new, how does that change over time with when it's chronic and it doesn't go away? Like how does your relationship to those feelings and sensations change over, over time as you, as you kind of have to learn to live with it and adapt in terms of the way that you go about your life and the relationships that you have and all that sort of thing. It's definitely gotten better. Like at the beginning when I didn't know what was happening or how chronic it was going to be, it was really, it made me panic a lot. Like there was a lot of anxiety associated with it. Um, now sort of as I've like some treatment options available mm. to me um, and I have a little more support, and I have a really understanding partner right now as well. Um, it's it's okay. It's just, it, it makes me, I've sort of adopted the mindset now that it's just my body talking to me. And if there's a day where I can't have sex or it's not going to work out, then that's just my body talking to me. Like you have to listen to it sometimes. Mm-hmm. Is that the, is, is, is the partner part like that finding a fit with somebody who understands and you can communicate well with, like, is that the, is that sort of the secret sauce, so to speak? It definitely helps. Cause like, yeah. I mean, I, I, I like hearing, I, I just, I, I don't want to, you know, beat the, the sex topic to death, but it is obviously a, a, an extremely uh, important human behavior that we have. And, and when that, when that's disrupted, in some way it can be, you know, it can have a ton of downstream effects that, you know, that can spill out outside of, um, outside of just the experience of, of having sex. So, um, uh, and and not only that, but, but having, but being able to just feel like you can communicate with another human in a way that is, um, where, where, where they're understanding, I I can, I can, you know, being in a relationship that I feel is, is that way for me, I, uh, it's in conversations like this when when someone like you says i have a really understanding partner that i that i realize how understanding of a partner that i have and that that, that like how Im- and how important that is so i'm just mm-hmm. s- s- uh, uh, spilling a yarn here you want to mm-hmm. say you just want to tell kyla that you love her love you kai oh. yeah i i wanted to ask um i know that we were going down like some of the treatment roads that that are options that you have and and now for the the third time I'm bringing up the THC uh obviously seems to work really well are there other treatments that you've been uh testing yeah so um my new doctor gave me uh ketamine topical oh. mm. whoa um, 
Yeah. So it's really interesting. So it's, you don't take it orally, you apply it. You're supposed to, it's a mix of ketamine, gabapentin and sort of an anti-inflammatory and you apply it on your lower spine at the level at which your nerves exit that supply the area. Whoa. And and what is it, what is it, what does it do? Like I've never, I, I, I had no idea that ketamine could be used topically. That's so bizarre. Yeah, it's really, I think it's kind of a new, it's a new thing. And she has mentioned a couple other treatment options too. I think that you can do ketamine suppositories. Whoa, that would well. get you so fucked up. That makes <laughs> It's like, it's a very, it's a low dose compared to what you would take. Oh, uh, can you get them to make it higher dose? <laughs> That's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. I mean, my dad was, my dad was just telling me about his, uh, my uncle who has, who has cancer and he's using Rick Simpson oil suppositories. And I'm going, Whoa. I'm going, that's crazy because like how is he how does he exist yeah, like, and, he, and he doesn't exist he's just high as a fucking yeah. kite why does it need to be that strong? i mean ketamine going into your body regardless like you can get really it's really fucking intense a very intense psychedelic but it makes that makes more sense that they're going we're taking the dose down so that you don't get yeah, fucked up but but did, I, well i was sorry. gonna i was gonna say did they describe like because i'm so fascinated by this you're taking ketamine you're putting it on your spine on yeah. your on your skin yeah. What is, what's supposed to be happening there? It, yeah. So ketamine is really good for sort of chronic wind up pain, like pain that gets worse because you've had it for a long time. It's really good for the central sensitization. Um, and so you are applying it locally to the area, which your nerves are coming out that are all wound up. Oh, wow. It's pretty much the dumbed down version of it. Yeah. And, and in terms, you've done this before you've tried it. Yeah. Yeah. I've been using it for like probably four months. And does it, does it provide like, is there any numbing sensation? No, not at all. Wow. Okay. You can also put it locally. Um, I kind of find it makes me sleepy when I put it locally. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. It's definitely a little bit faster absorption. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. That's Oh, right. Cause it's, cause it's a sedative. Right. 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 Yeah. So, um, do you, have you found that it's been working? It's definitely, I wouldn't like, it doesn't take away all my pain. It's not, quite as effective but um as thc and cbd are but um in combination i yeah it's really nice and it's it does it does help and what's and what's um my dog just happens to be on gabapentin right at this moment um i was gonna say man there's so many dogs on gabapentin when i was when i was rover rover sitting dogs like one in four dogs were on gabapentin. I know he's my Loki's on like three drugs right now because he's got a spine, a fucking disc issue. But um, is is it a, is that an anti-inflammatory or is it a is that is that what it is? It's a it's, it's an anti-seizure med, isn't it? It's I think it's anti-seizure. It's not anti-inflammatory, but it is also just good for treating pain. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Not, and chilling you out. Yeah. Yeah. He's chill. All I right. thought it was neuropathic and, pain. I, I think is what it's. Yeah, like for can it, it yeah. be used um, to reduce anxiety as well? I mean, in pets, maybe because uh, there pets, was, a, I think, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is the vet. Ask, there ask was the vet. A, yeah, actually, that's a good vet good student. Yeah, there's a because uh, you're a vet to me. I actually <laughs> one of the 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 guys that I was dog sitting for. He was a he was a doctor, and he I don't know if he actually had it technically prescribed for his dogs or if he was just 
gained. He was stealing it. He was stealing it from the hospital. And his name was Doctor 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 No Smith. No, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Doctor Smith. Yeah, yeah, yeah here in he Halifax, w- he lives John, in, he lives in John, John, John Smith. Smith. Yeah. And he was stealing a fuckload. And actually, he sold some to me. I was selling it to other people. Investigation here. Um, in terms of your, uh, like, so it seems like right now, and, and you kind of mentioned this, that, that things are, you're, you're in an okay place compared to where you used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, have you, have you received any kind of word from your, your physician, um, about, you know, the treatments that they're doing with you right now? Um, have they said anything about this, the potential of this sort of like wearing off, you know, the, that, that uh, sometimes they see patients go on these things like the topical ketamine or whatever, and and it works for a while, but then but then it, the the effectiveness of it sort of wanes, and and you you need to find a new a new avenue. Or she hasn't mentioned that so much to me as of right now. I know that the condition sometimes spontaneously just like wears off, like all of a sudden it'll just go away. Mm. Um, so my pain could theoretically just go away one day and that would be the end of it. But um, I think the issue is more, not everybody will have improvement on the ketamine topical. So that it's really nice that there's multiple avenues that you can kind of go down um, to try. It's, mm-hmm. I think it's just mostly finding something that actually helps you in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, one, of, one of the things that you, <laughs> you said that, that has really struck me um, in terms of like the importance for people who are experiencing something similar is is like the validation of one the the pelvic pain clinic and then also being part of the group yeah uh, and being able to talk to other people who are who are going through similar experiences um like if there's somebody listening who is who is dealing with a similar situation um how can you tell us about how you found like is is there a way to connect with groups like this or like have have you do you feel like you still want to connect to groups of people and 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 talk about your experience i know that you mentioned when you were going through the the mindfulness thing that you sort of like fell out of uh that that practice or or that sort of like network of people um but is there options for people who are who are experiencing similar things to connect with other people who who can relate to these issues there's definitely a pretty big reddit community mm-hmm. mm. Um, which is interesting. Like it's interesting to read about different things that people are doing in different countries and stuff. So you can go and talk to your physician about it. Mostly I would just say it's really important. You need, you need to advocate for yourself because if you're going to a general physician, they don't all the time know about these conditions and you need to get referred to somewhere where they do. In in terms of like learning about, um, new treatments or other treatment options, um, are places like Reddit places where you've gone to like, try to learn more about like you know, what other people in your situation might be experiencing or using to, to treat this? Yes. And I know that it's frowned upon to do like internet diagnosis or whatever, but I feel like for conditions where things are in the works, it can be really helpful to just be like, Hey, this is what they're doing in the States. Or like, this is what they're doing over there. Mm -hmm. Um, And now with my doctor here, she's totally open to having those conversations. Yeah. I think it's one thing is like, one thing is like going on those communities and then trying to like self-diagnose yourself with, with, with something. But if you know that you have PVD and you're going on and, and you know, if you went on and shared like, Hey, listen, like smoking weed for me before I have sex seems to like make a massive difference. But you know, somebody lives in a country where, 
using THC is either not legal or doctors don't feel comfortable recommending that as a potential treatment, then it can be really amazing for somebody to come across a, a, a possible treatment like that, that could help them in this case. So like, yeah, I understand how like Mm -hmm. it can be, those communities can be sort of, I mean, you can come across like really great, some really great advice, like, you know, buy Wall Street, but but buy yeah. buy AMC or buy GameStop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. On Reddit, and uh, but that could make you make you rich. But I think of like you know like if I so like say I there was there's a time last year. I think I think it's about having no, a really good a really good fi- a really good filter when you're when you're perusing. Yeah, those, I mean, you get on things. there and you see like someone saying smoking weed actually like really helped me and it's something I do every once in a while. And then, and like, you could look at that and go, Oh, I could see how that might potentially work. Yeah. Then you go on there and you're like, you know, someone's like, I use a carpet cleaner to like steam clean my vagina. And I think this might've worked. It's like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'll, I'm, I I'm gonna pass filter, on that one. <laughs> I'm going to filter that one out. Yeah. yeah. Just the amount of times that like we've heard, especially in the last few conversations that we've had, like the amount of people who like the importance of feeling like they're not the only person. Yeah. Living yeah, or it's struggling a huge, with what they're huge, going through. Is, yeah, yeah. Have you met anybody in your in your like immediate life that that has also been affected by this? I have met one person ever. Um, it's like one of my close friends' cousins. I think we kind of were mm. in the process of getting a diagnosis at the same time. Um, that is the only person I've ever met. Did you Did you geek out about it together? Or we did. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I mean, yeah, we touched on it a few times throughout the conversation, and something that we, you know, we touched on in in almost all conversations, like the, yeah, the uh, the benefit to realizing that you are not the only one out yeah. there that's mm. that's uh, dealing with the thing that you're dealing with, and um, and actually, someone said the a conversation we had yesterday that kind of that kind of um, that kind of really blew my mind, and I and I wanted to say, and then the conversation moved on, but we we're talking about OCD. And we were talking about the, the, the uh, proclivity to feel like you are very alone in the thing that you're dealing with. Um, and, you know, that has a lot of different roots and reasons why, why people feel that way. And then he thought, and then he said, and, you know, it's, it's wild because there's books on the topic and there's med- medications and treatments that have had been tested and the research done on it. It's like just the fact that these things exist is a, testament to the fact that you know people out there are willing to have been willing to spend massive amounts of time and money and resources and things to try and you know figure out more about this and that really speaks to the fact mm-hmm. that there are that many people dealing with it that it that that all of that is happening mm-hmm. and uh that really just kind of kind of bloom like i went oh fuck i've never thought about it that which way. is interesting because it's still e- it's so easy to feel alone though. I, yeah like, right I, know. I mean i have i have it tattooed on my arm you are not alone because it's important to have that reminder that you're not and it's easy to it's easy to forget that you're not yeah um jamie what would you say is the biggest thing that your your pvd has taken away from you hmm, that's a good question Um, I actually, like, if you would have asked me this three years ago, I would have had a different answer, but I, I feel like now it's actually just given me the ability to like step back and listen to my body. Like, Mm -hmm. I know that if I'm having a ton of pain, I'm probably also stressed out and anxious in other parts of my life. And I need to just take a step back and like prioritize myself a little bit. Um, 
so I am kind of trying to adopt that mindset instead of being like, it's taken so much away from me. Mm-hmm. What would you but say? Definitely, is- like if you asked me a couple of years ago, I would have been like, well, I'm probably going to be single and alone for the rest of my life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. Yeah. What would you say is the biggest thing that's given you? That just, I like used to just be like, I'm going to ignore my body. I'm going to drink six cups of coffee every single day and sleep for four hours and just power through. Well, wait, and you can't do that. That's bad, Brian. We've been telling you that. <laughs> that's Brian's, We've been saying that's, that's bad. That's Brian's routine right now. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's good. Like even in vet school, like it's a really good excuse for me to be mindful of how I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Well, Jamie, I got to say, this has been a, a real treat to be able to sit down and talk to you about uh, the experience that you've been through. And I, and I think, you know, these conversations are really important because, again, when it comes to um, when it comes to pelvic pain and pelvic health, uh, there's I, I feel like we still have quite a ways to go. And um, I know that there's definitely people out there listening right now that can absolutely relate to this. And so thank you for uh, for just being a part of this conversation, not only to spread awareness about the, these kinds of issues, but also to help those people out there who are listening feel, uh, like we had said, less alone. And um, so on behalf of myself and the guys we and, and those people, we, we thank you. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Well, there you have it, folks. That was our conversation with Jamie. If you'd like to support the podcast, Tell a friend about the show. We would greatly appreciate it. Um, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, you can visit us at sickboypodcast.com and fill out the guest application. And if you want to send us a letter, you can reach us at letters at sickboypodcast.com. Thanks so much to the folks that make this show happen. The show is produced by Jeremy Saunders, Taylor McGilvery, and me. And a huge thank you to our manager, Jeff Lonis. And the theme music is by Take Part. Uh, We love you guys so much, and we'll see you next time. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.